Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello, very somber Monday morning. <laughs> somber, but exciting. We, we move on. We, got, we, we yeah, live we on. Move on. Had a, we, a full weekend slate of game ones, a lot of overreactions, a lot of hot takes, cold takes, all temperatures of takes. But we're going to kind of dissect them, see what matters, what means what. Maybe some things that could be smoke and mirrors because I think we kind of get a little wrapped up in game ones at times. But hey, every game matters and game ones are very important, but they don't decide the series. So we're going to go through each one, some more than others, and talk about one quick what thing. we saw, what we took away, and what we can expect for the rest of those series. One quick thing. What would you define as a medium take? Medium take? Do you want like an example or a definition? definition uh, yeah, a little bit of both i've never heard i've never heard the term <laughs> before so please like a, well, indulge a medium take is like a room temp take you know something where it can it can spark argument but it doesn't spark outrage all right yeah. fair enough hot take spark outrage cold take spark boredom yeah so i'd right. say i've most, just never heard i've never heard most the middle rational inside. takes are medium takes i would say so does it get to medium well? Is that the, the progression from medium to hot? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I guess the hottest take possible would be a burnt take. You know, it's just so hot. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just disgustingly it's just, hot. You just spit it it's out. It's just otherworldly. Yeah. All right. So Now that we've got that out of the way. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on to the games. We'll just go down the list at this point. So first game of the weekend, possibly <clears throat> the most interesting series. I don't know where you... We didn't get to do our full first-round preview, but I think either this series or the Lakers Sun series, those two are the most intriguing. Bucks Heat, Bucks Heat game one on Saturday. Bucks win in overtime. Very interesting game. We saw some stuff on both ends that were kind of sketchy. I think we saw some good stuff on both ends too. The defense was just flying. It was a complete grind the whole entire game, especially in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, the Heat scored 21 points. Bucks scored 19. So that just kind of gives you a taste of where this series is going. But Bucks pulled out at the end. Uh, I'm going to just throw a couple takeaways first off, Phil, and then you can kind of bounce off of them. From Miami side, it was interesting and probably not great at just how much of a score Jimmy Butler seemed to be. It, I don't know, but Butler is such an interesting player because he kind of picks and chooses when he's going to go into a certain mindset. And it's clear that today he was going to look for a shot. The shot was not falling, though, and I, quite frankly, did not like the shot selection at all. He made two early threes, but ended up shooting pretty poorly for three, two for nine. A four for 22 line from the field, which is just something you don't often see from Jimmy Butler. I mean, you rarely see him take that many shots, and to be that inefficient is just it's, – it's not – Normal six turnovers for him as well, only seventeen points. Minus to be fair, eight. though, when the buckets yep. when the buckets were needed, I mean, he was getting in every different way. Yeah, he got well. He only had four, but yeah, he. I mean, he had the big shot of the day where he forced an overtime for sure. But right. then in overtime, it continued to be a struggle bus. He took a lot yeah, of yeah, threes; they weren't falling. The fourth it, it quarter, he like, was yeah, he was you know doing what you needed to do. He was Which I guess this is his whole MO anyway. Yeah, he was searching for the dagger, and it wasn't really there. Um, Bam, another guy who struggled. Brooke Lopez and the Bucks centers in general were doing a lot of drop coverage off screen and rolls. They were not respecting Bam. Not respecting Bam getting the ball at the foul line and making a play, and he did not make them pay. 415 from the field, only one free throw. That's bad. I mean, Bam should be punishing them if they're going to play him, <clears throat> play him like that. So, didn't love to see that. Um, but from the Milwaukee side, great Chris Middleton game. Great Chris Middleton game. In a game where, uh, you know, nobody was going to be super efficient, buckets were hard to come by, Middleton did what they pay Middleton to do. And he got big buckets when they were needed. Isolation, making touch to jumpers, made the biggest shot of the, of the game with that game-winning mid-range jumper in overtime. So, if you're a Bucks fan, you're very happy with Middleton's performance. Drew Holiday, great defensively. Giannis, still kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, And I was also happy to see that they can play Portis and give him 
minutes and not get completely beat because I think that Portis is a very important element if they want to make a deep run because of the floor spacing he provides. Lopez obviously some spacing as well, but I don't think he's as dangerous. Yeah, so, Lopez is a 33% three-point shooter this season, so he's kind of dropped. Yeah. He had two years ago, he was Splash Mountain. Now it's just... Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's regressed to the mean. But overall, a very interesting game. It's going to be a very interesting series. We have game two later. Phil, anything that I said that sticks out to you or anything new that you want to bring up from this game one? No, I mean, I'll touch on what you talked about right at the beginning where you had the Heat Bucks as the, and the Lakers. You had the Lakers Suns as your other series in the West that was like your interesting one. I, I yeah. still had the Heat Bucks for the East. I had the Clippers Mavs. I feel like the Heat and the Mavs are kind of one very the most likely to you know cause some ruckus and those are the series where if something goes the wrong way and the bucks or clippers don't come out of it that really changes dynamic in either conference so i think that'll be mm-hmm. a big shift but and i think they both are the teams that could do it as opposed to i feel like the lakers might just pop out we'll get to that but yeah i mean chris Middleton had a good game and Giannis he did what Giannis does and then nothing else which is Obviously, it keeps your team afloat, but if you need him to make free throws in crunch time, you need him to shoot threes or facilitate in a specific manner, it's not going to happen. What I did mm-hmm. think was interesting was that they did use a lot of, at least in the fourth quarter, they pivoted a lot to Giannis in the post. They just mm-hmm. kind of threw him down there. He didn't come up with the ball. And I think Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton would just feed it into him in the post, and it was obviously it was going to work really well. And I don't know why they kind of – as the game went towards overtime and towards the late end of the fourth quarter, they kind of gave up on that. And they just said, okay, Giannis, you, you bring it up again. Yeah. I, the, the, the way they're going to use Giannis, I think they have more versatility this year, especially with Drew Holiday, because I, I just trust Drew Holiday with the ball making decisions more than Eric Bledsoe. So it kind of gives you that flexibility in yeah. terms of late game options. But yeah, you know, Obviously, it's nice getting Giannis the ball in the post, and that they ha- they found some success with that. Uh, the free throws, it's a struggle. It's a struggle, and it is a big, big hole. I mean, if the Bucks didn't win this game, which they were very close to not winning this game, it's a two-point win in overtime. I mean, we look at Giannis' seven, six for 13 from the foul line, and, I mean, that, that's bad. That's bad. That can't happen. Right, so, but that's – yeah. Giannis does what Giannis does, and he never does anything more. Like he's not going to take it up a notch and make more free throws for you on a given night. That's that's what my thing is. Like he's going to give you his dominant I, yeah. play, ridiculous rebounds, and getting to the paint and scoring, but he's not going to play above it. I don't disagree with you, but as we know, you are you are you are a pessimistic Giannis spectator, while some people are optimistic Giannis spectators. I see and... it as realistic. <laughs> Fine, that that is. That's how I, I we. That's how we down Debbie Downers look at it. I don't have an issue with that, but I'm sure Bucks fans are just hoping it changes, and it probably won't. You're probably right, but yeah, and I think even listen when when they needed buckets in crunch time. I mean, Giannis really made his plays kind of in the in between areas down the stretch. He was getting offensive rebounds, diving for loose balls. You know, all, when they kind of got settled, he really wasn't very involved in the offense. There's a lot of Middleton. There's a lot of Drew. So. That's just kind of the way it's going to be at this point. I don't see that changing much. Um, yeah, Miami's really walled off this, the middle. You know, you can't really get to the paint. So maybe yeah. they've just been, I don't know, they've just been trying to survive off Middleton and Drew Holiday mid-ranges or creation in the three. And that doesn't really, it's not Giannis's MO. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's great defensive schematics by Spo. Yeah, even though... It's only game one. This would have been a huge, huge win for Miami. And a game that they definitely could have and I think should have stolen. But they didn't. And tonight we have Miami-Milwaukee game two. Milwaukee going to look to really establish themselves. And Miami looking to obviously uh, steal home court away. So it's going to be a good one. It's going to be an interesting one. Ah. <sighs> We didn't think... actually make we didn't actually make picks before the series, but I made picks in my head, Phil. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna share them, all right? And you just have to trust me. Are you gonna rip through all, all right? of them now, or are you gonna go as as no, we go? No, no, we'll do it. We'll do it as we go. Okay. I'm being honest, all right. I had I had Bucks and five. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna win tonight, but last game honestly didn't inspire a lot of confidence in me. So, what what was your uh, pick before the series? I didn't go down to you a had number. Heat, didn't you? I did have didn't heat, you have though. Heat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I stand true to it. I think 
I really think it could go either way. Probably go to game seven. And my guess is the Heat will turn it out. It'll be probably Heat in six or seven for me. I don't think they're going to, like, just snap it off and just go four straight right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, based on game one, it definitely looks more like a long series than a short series. Yeah. But, hey, we'll see. Listen, they win tonight, and it's a huge, huge, huge swing. And even though, like, the Bucks should win based on home court, we know that in series like these, I think home court means a little bit less. It definitely means something. But these games are all going to be tight. So pulling out any of them, kind of similar to the Knicks-Hawks series that we're going to talk about later, they're all going to be so tight that home court, away, road, road, wherever, every game means a ton. It's not like I expect to just go 2-2-1-1-1, you know. So yeah. that's where I see it. And game two tonight going to be very interesting. But Miami has to figure out their offense. Bam cannot let Brooke just park himself under the paint and – run their defense like that. He's too good for that. He's too important to them offensively for that. So it's going to be, I'm going to keep an eye on that tonight specifically. Yeah. Uh, I have some confidence in the next in series. His, yeah. Just saying, I have some confidence in the heat tonight. Cause I mean, if Bam, realistically, Bam's not going to play as poorly as he did last game, unless they've just completely broke up has to solve the Bam out of bio crisis, which I doubt it. So once he kind of gets his footing under him, they're going to be a lot harder to beat. And if they, if they brought a good Bam on the floor, that's my thought process. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Dallas Clippers. Dallas Clippers. Dallas Clippers. This was so many interesting uh, results from this past week. This is yeah. definitely one of them. Dallas beats the Clippers. Beat them. Beat them. I wouldn't, not going to say handily, but I think they outplayed them pretty thoroughly throughout the game. Came out to an early lead. Clippers got back in it, but Dallas never really let it get out of hand. Stuck around, outplayed them in the fourth, outscored them by fourth, but in the fourth quarter by four points, only allowed 23 points in the fourth quarter to the Clippers. And here we are. Dallas is up one nothing, stole home court advantage away. I'll let you start this one, Phil. What stuck out most to you here? Yeah, it seemed like I'm going to liken it to the Lakers Suns game where it's they thought, the Clippers thought at least they could turn it on, you know, in an instant whenever they wanted to. And teams like the Dallas Mavericks or the Phoenix Suns, they're kind of. They're pushing, you know, they're going full out. They know the younger team. They're the, they're the David to the Goliath, and they got to they gotta go full front and just go all out the entire time. So when guys try to flip it on, obviously you see the Clippers make a stretch where they can make it close, but they might, you know, cool off the Jets and like, all right, we did that so quickly. We're good. And then the Mavericks just kind of stay true to what they're doing, and they take care of business. I think the Ty Lue thing is a little, you know, I'm not a big Ty Lue guy, but <laughs> it's – it's been established. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's very interesting to watch because the L.A. teams really think they're big dogs. And I think of all playoffs, this is the time to not be like, oh, there's unanimous. No debate will be there. Maybe in the East with the Nets. But I think that's really it. Yeah. So, this game, a couple of big things. First of all, Clippers still have no idea how to guard Luka. <laughs> Didn't have an idea yeah. how to guard him last year. Still have no idea how to guard him. He's doing anything he wants. He's being them in isolation. He's being on off ball screens. He's getting to the middle of the paint. He's dishing out spraying the shooters. Luca was plus 19. Luca, 31 points on 24 shots, 11 assists, only three turnovers. It just didn't look hard for him. It's how much that simple. Time, how much time did Kawhi spend on Luca? Not a, the thing is this, Phil, and Ty Lue kind of hinted in the postgame that Kawhi was going to get some more time. The Clippers, and they did this last year. It's like – that's kind of been my whole thing with the Clippers is after last year, and we know I was very high on them last year, picked them to win the title, mm. but I did not pick them to win the title this year. Now, don't really, I don't, you know, so I'm not yeah. that high on this year, but a lot of what I saw this year, it just seemed like the same stuff from last year. Last year, I thought that they were kind of lackadaisical defensively. Last year, I didn't love how they didn't play a lot of their guys during the season, and they didn't get a lot of continuity. The same stuff's happened this year. Another thing that they did constantly last year, especially in the playoffs, these just half-hearted switches on, like, not real ball screens, a lot of teams do it. They are the absolute worst at it. If you want a given matchup against the Clippers, you will get it because you can just run these fake slip screens with guards. I mean, you can send Josh Richardson up for a ball screen, and the Clippers are going to switch it. So I don't really – at a point, I stopped caring about who's guarding who because – the Mavericks can just so easily dictate the matchups that it doesn't even matter. I mean, maybe that'll change in the next game. But that's a lot of what I saw. So that's one problem. 
Clippers. I think the three-point yeah. shooting was, was yeah, a big yeah. problem. They only had above 500 or, you know, 50% shooting from Patrick Beverly, Rondo, and Batum. And you don't expect that from Rondo and Beverly any other of the games, you know. Batum yeah. can be a, pl- a plus three-point shooter, but that's it, you know. Well, I think if you're an, a Clippers optimist in the situation, you look at that and you probably say this won't happen again. Where the, right. the, the Mavs Why PG turn around. And the Mavs shot 17 for 36. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith was four for five from three. Luca, who's a great player, I mean, five for eleven is pretty, pretty damn good. I don't yeah. think he's a five for eleven guy. So, I mean, Dallas goes seventeen for thirty six. The Clippers go eleven for forty, and it's still a close game going down the stretch. So, silver linings there. The shooting was heavily in the favor of Dallas, and I don't think the looks were entirely too much too different. So, from that standpoint, you know, I wouldn't panic if I'm the Clippers, but. Yeah. It's just a just a bad night to look at, and you yeah. know, watch tape, and you're like, okay, this is obviously what we did wrong. We need to correct this, but I don't know. If, if, yeah. the, if the Clippers can solve it, will it really make a difference? Hopefully, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they the, they got to shoot better from three. They got to the foul line, which is good because they're not a good yeah. team getting to the foul line. So, I mean, Ka- Kawhi played pretty well for most of the game. In the first half, it looked like they didn't have much of a matchup, but you could tell in the second half he was pressing because the team was struggling a little bit to get yeah. to score points. And they only scored 48 points in the second half. So, it, and Kawhi, and you saw this last year in the playoffs, especially in that series against Denver, when the Clippers' offense stagnates, you can tell Kawhi is just like, all right, I'm just going to try to do mine now. I'm just going to I'm just gonna get to my bridge. I'm going to pull up. I'm going to rise up, get get my shots off. If it goes and it goes, if it doesn't, it doesn't because we're not getting much better looks. So Yeah, PG's some, just cool with it. Playoff P just lets it ride. And I give, I give Paul George credit because he got off to a terrible start and came back and ended up having a pretty decent shooting night. Yeah. But you're still going to need more. Still going to need more than two for eight from three from him. Right. All right, so who Game do you two, have? Game two is big. Uh, who do you have, Dallas or Clippers? Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna have complete transparency with my picks before, even though we didn't get to do a first round playoff preview, and I would have had Clippers in five. So my expectation I, was yeah similar. It was Clippers in five or six. So, I think the Mavericks are interesting, but I don't think they're gonna pull it I off. Mean, if Clippers if Clippers lose game two, we got retcon one. So right. that I mean that would be crazy. I'm I think the Clippers are gonna win game two, but man, the Mavericks smell smell blood. Lucas smells blood. Porzingis is lucky that Luca had the game he had because if not, yeah, he'd be probably getting sleepy. Because, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna pick Clippers in game two. It's gonna be very interesting though. And the da- uh, Dallas is not going away. They have like the, I mean, the Luca thing is it's an issue. Clippers have no answer. That they had no issue last year. They still have no answer. So yeah. All right, let's hop on over to Celtics Nets. This one probably going to be quick. It <laughs> doesn't seem to be much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, uh... I would say the most surprising thing was how long it stayed tight, but that's about it. <laughs> I mean, the Nets missed like their first nine shots, and they were down two or something. I, I don't even know how. It's like it felt like they they had they were scoring points without the ball going even the, in the basket. I, I didn't understand. Uh, this Celtics team just has no. They just don't pose a threat offensively. It's just a lot on Tatum's plate. Yeah. And not enough to support. Um, I mean, this is this isn't like realistically. If this roster was playing the whole year, I don't even think they make the playoffs. So, yeah. th- I mean, then the Nets really. I think if Jalen Brown was playing, I would not pick the Celtics. But I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think yeah, it'd be I think a very fun series. I, I think you'd have two stars. Games. Yeah, no, I think it'd be. I think it'd be a good series. I'd probably pick the Nets in. Um, you know, maybe maybe six games. That's what I was thinking. Uh, I, 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 I was thinking Nets in five because I thought maybe they just get lazy one game before this. So I, I guess I'll, I'll stick with that pick. But yeah, this Boston team is just not good. So yeah, I'd have to assume Tatum doesn't let them just tank for a whole game. And the Nets, you know, either Kyrie, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie Harden or Durant, one of them sits during one of the games just for whatever reason. Not and impossible. maybe the Celtics try to, you know, sneak one out. But that's the <laughs> that's the extent of it. Yeah. I mean, in this series, I'm just kind of looking at the Nets because we haven't seen them in this situation in a while. Uh, I don't even know what how much I could take away from this. Their defense yeah. looked good, good, I guess. You know, they, they seem to contain the ball pretty well. I, I liked their approach on Tatum. Yeah, but, but is Robert Williams playing? Like, that's the only thing that you need to look at because you need to see how – 
Claxton, DeAndre Jordan are actually playing against a big man that can you know be a decent big man. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, Boston doesn't have any offensive-minded big men. So, Robert Williams was great defensively, nine blocks. That was cool. But overall, this the Boston just doesn't pose a threat. They're never going to be able to match yeah, baskets. You just cover Tatum and let the like <laughs> just get to work. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about what you saw from the Nets? I don't. No, I, I, there's there's way <laughs> too little good. to take away. Ky- Kyrie's Kyrie's really good. You could say that about a few people. <laughs> That's the about guy's it. Guy's pretty good too. He's, he's all right. Uh, Harden guy. He's not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. The Nets. Oh yeah, the Nets. Okay, well, here we are. So yeah, that is that is what it is. <laughs> Let's talk. Those are okay. Blazers Nuggets. Blazers Nuggets probably a series that a lot of casual fans aren't too interested in, and I guess I understand why now these teams are really championship threats. But they can make some I noise. Still, I think that's their their key. Yeah, right and now. I, I think for each, each of these franchises, it's important, especially for Portland. I think that if Portland yeah. doesn't win this series, then you have to kind of look at the infrastructure in the core and say, what are we really doing here? How like we're going to lose to Denver without Murray, but and Barton. And Barn, yeah. So, but Portland comes out and big win, big win, plays well. I liked, and Portland's been pretty bad defensively for most of the year, although with Nurkic, they've been much improved. I really like their defensive approach on Jokic. Even though Jokic had a very good game, he scored 34 points, they pretty much said, Jokic, you're going to work for every bucket, and we're not going to let you get your, your teammates involved. I mean, one assist for Nicole Jokic, which is just yeah. something you, you do not see very often. And Part of that was Denver struggling to shoot the ba- shoot the basketball. You know, the without Murray, without Will Barton, the perimeter pieces aren't as dangerous. They went eleven for thirty six from three. Michael Porter Jr., although he was very good from two point range, one for ten from three. Uh, they're throwing Austin Rivers out there, our old friend. He's one for five from three. So I, this was kind of my concern with Denver. I just didn't think they had like Jokic is amazing and he's the best player in the series, but. When you don't have the perimeter pieces around him that can make guys pay for some of the stuff that Jokic is going to do to you, and he's how he's going to pick you apart, but guys aren't going to be able to capitalize on those plays, it just kind of waters down Denver's offense, and that's what I saw. The offense didn't look like it has in the past, only 109 points, and yeah, that was kind of the story of the game. I think that's going to be the story of the series. My pick before this series was I, I was going to go Portland in sixth. Oh, really? I Honestly. had the Nuggets. I still had faith. I didn't think it was going to be a short series, but I think I had Nuggets in uh, six or seven. And it was another one of those where you could kind of go either way in that seventh game. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Blazers ran a really small. They ran eight boys. And <clears throat> you can't expect Melo and Anthony to just kind of go off or Yusuf even because they had 16, 14, and 18 respectively. Um no yeah, face for Anthony. He had he had big minutes. He had big minutes and he played well. Don't get me wrong, but that's, he that's shot, your boy. He shot eighty percent from free from three. I, he is my boy, but I I don't think if you run that small of a unit, they can be as reliable every time. Like you're going to need to extend it out to. I mean, Derek Jones Jr. will probably give serve some some serviceable minutes, and I mean. I'm trying to remember who even is at the end of that bench. I mean, they got Giles. They have Rodney Hood, who isn't even... Nasir, Nasir Little. <laughs> Nasir Little. He's got to get some reps, maybe. Who knows? Maybe not. But, yeah. I mean, they have big bodies to throw at guys. Like, Ronda Hells Jefferson can just kind of be a big body in stretch minutes where these eight core guys that can really get you buckets need to take a break. It's possible. It's possible. I think they could do it for, like, another game, but it's unsustainable to just run eight straight... Especially yeah. like Melo and Enos Kander, they are not, or even Yusuf Nurkic, they're not endured guys. Yeah, they're, the Blazers, they're not super deep right now. And it was heavy minutes at the top for sure. Every single starter played at least 30 minutes. Uh, Powell 37, 40, call 36. But it's the, it's the playoffs, and that, that's what they're going to roll with for now. But I do, mm. get, I do get what you're saying. Maybe it does wear on them a little bit. And burns a little rubber out the tires. I, I just, a lot of what we saw was Luka against the. Clippers, Dame was he looked just way too comfortable against Denver, and yeah. Denver did not have the ability to match his offensive production 
34 points on 25 shots, 13 assists as well, yeah. and only two turnovers. I look a lot of the time at the turnovers, especially with guards, because even though these guys can have great shooting efficiency, if they're not turning the ball over, usually I see it as a symptom of they're not getting bothered offensively because all these high-volume guards, are like they are susceptible to high turnover games because they have the ball so much. So although they're going to make a lot of plays, they're going to have a lot of assists, and they're going to score the ball, if they're turning the ball over, it can negate some of that impact. But when they're not, yeah. it's just over. So 123 points for the Blazers. Nuggets weren't able to match it. I like the Portland in six. I think the Murray absence is really going to pe- uh, peak its head. It did in game one. We'll see what happens in game two. That's happening tonight as well. well uh, I think De- I think Denver's going to win tonight, though. I, th- I would hope Denver wins tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, this game, this series goes all the way to seven. It feels like. Yeah, I, this is a nice thing. I mean, it feels like a lot of these series can really go the, the extent. And I mean, it sucks for them because they're just getting worn down, but we get to enjoy it on the bright side. But yeah. speaking of turnovers, should we pivot to the next one? Wizards, uh, <laughs> Wizards Sixers? Yeah, we can pivot, pivot to Wizards Sixers. Uh, do you want to lead this one off? Because I know you were, I feel, I feel like you were in the weeds for this one. I don't know. I, I just, I got a feeling you were very invested. I was invested. I enjoy the Sixers just based off of their absolute nonsensical fan base but i mean i watched the whole game and Burke had a combined 12 turnovers and it's that's it, ugly they had a, i mean combined 20 assists but 12 turnovers really kind of knocks that down a peg westbrook was weird last night or yesterday yeah. it was just he seemed out of place like he didn't know he just seemed like either he was working too fast in the offense and just setting guys up before they even knew it was open or guys knew they were open and then Westbrook saw it too late, and then he would just throw it way down there, and it would just go out. So it was a weird like, chemistry-wise game. Beal did his thing. You know, there's nothing to do about that. Got some solid contribution from Alex Lyon. Gafford did his usual thing, like a solid 10 points and decent rebounds in defense. I think Alex Lyon was the big thing where he just kind of came out of nowhere. You usually expect him just to be a big body down there. But they really got the Sixers in foul trouble. Joel and B had three fouls, I think, either in the first quarter or the early second. And that just left the paint wide open for Alex Len to show, prove why he was a top, what was it? Was it a top five pick? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the Wizards were obviously going for fouls and the Sixers did pretty much nothing to you know, correct that or solve their the way they were going about their game plan. So I think it's interesting. Doc Rivers definitely has to do something because you don't want to sweat out these 1-8 series. I think with the play-in, that does yeah. kind of change the dynamic, but still you should be able to handle these guys. And it doesn't look like it. It looks like it's going to be an interesting series just based off of how Scott Brooks, Westbrook, and Buell are playing Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. Then what jumps out to me is Embiid obviously had the foul trouble. He ends, he ends up with four fouls. So only plays 30 minutes, but it's a plus 20. So... And, and took 13 free throws. He took 13 yeah. free throws in, thir- in 30 minutes. So, yeah. Just imagine if he stayed the, on the court longer. Yeah, exactly. So getting him into foul troubles is a very good idea for Washington because it's very evident that they do not have an answer for him. This seemed like a game that Washington probably, if they wanted to make this series interesting, should have stolen. And yeah. they didn't. So I, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of faith in Washington begin the series. But after this, I think it's kind of a gun punch, a gut punch because they could have stolen this game. Right. But they didn't. You make an interesting point about Westbrook and you know the stats are always gonna I feel like he has such similar stat lines every game. Sixteen points, fourteen assists, like it it, it sounds okay. But yeah, when you watch the games it just does seem a little bit a little clunky. You know he's not particularly confident in his scoring ability at this point in time. So he's going to try to make those home run passes. If something's going to work, if something's just going to be plain ugly. Yeah. So that's where we are with the Wizards. I picked Sixers in I, – I, I I believe I had a sweep, honestly. I believe I had a sweep on this one. I, I think, think I had Sixers – I think I had Sixers in five. Okay. But yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it's like they'll probably sneak one. They're too good not to – at least compete the entire time or sneak one away. But that was I was assuming that would be it towards the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Can I get a Ben Simmons take from you? About last night specifically or just in general? 
uh, last night and what it could mean. I mean, six points, 15 assists, 15 rebounds, 0 for 6 from the foul line. Sounds pretty Ben Simmons to me. Uh, it sounds pretty uh, hyped up, steroided out Draymond Green to me. That That's also true, yes. And it's interesting. I can't complain about it. Obviously, he just couldn't get his – and you can't say he couldn't get his shot going because you just say he couldn't get his layups going. But, yeah, I mean <laughs> – he basically did what he needed to do when he couldn't get, you know, his layups going, which is a good thing of how he plays. And he does kind of know he needs to do something else if he just can't score, which is, which does What did happen. you see defensively from him? He was solid. Um, I, I don't know. I watched a lot of Beal on, or Simmons on Beal and Beal would literally just try to get to the paint, give a pump fake or two. Simmons would stay home and he would just jump into him and throw the ball up. It was, there was a lot of that going on, so it was kind of hard to really – I mean, Simmons was staying down on him, so that's a good thing. Yeah. But really, you can't take much away defensively because obviously they're just trying to foul call. Yeah. Okay. Well, well you got um, – I mean, listen, I, I have Simmons' big picture takes, and I think we're going to have to wait until probably the conference finals, you'd think, not, not to hex it, but um, – you know, when they play the big dogs, they're going to have to consist- consistently score. That's when I think we're going to just see what's going on and how impactful is he defensively to negate some of those holes he has offensively. Right. So, to be fair, though, they have, they have Tobias and Seth. I always – it was highway robbery. But Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tobias, crazy last time. We got to mention his name. I mean, exactly. it seemed, yeah. like, I mean, it seemed like, like he was half. keeping them afloat in the first half when, yeah. uh, when MB was out of the game. And it was concerning because you're like, why does Tobias need to do this to keep up with the Wizards? Yeah, but it's nice to see that he has it in him. Like, he's yeah. got to be, he's got to be a star scoring the ball if they want to really get to where they want to be. Because you know, Simmons isn't going to do that. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, need, the, they need somebody other than Embiid. They have the firepower. Because if Seth Curry's not hot, maybe Dan Green is is going. Maybe Shake. Maybe even Tyrese or Forkon. Love yeah, some Forkon. Want to go right. on to my um, series of intrigue in the West? Yes, your your darling, your darling La La Land. See, they are my darlings, but I love I love watching them squirm. I really do. I I, I mean, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a few teams that I just find more entertaining when they're struggling. The Lakers are one of them, and there's some others, but Lakers are definitely one of them. It just seems like it's always dramatic when they're losing. And oh, right. I mean, ESPN will say anything at that point. Yeah. They'll break out all the the disaster emojis. <laughs> but let's go. Let, let's let's talk about this game for a little bit. This is an interesting one. A little Lakers, bit. I feel like Suns. this isn't. I feel like we don't need to talk about this much. But I mean, you you say what you want. I got a quick. All right. I got a quick got one a quick too. And I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well. No. Yeah. I want to preface it with this. This guy's not following. The Lakers lost game one of the last two se- of the first two series in their championship run last year. So, got to preface it with that. But. The Suns are a very good team. The Suns are the two seed. Suns are better than I think either team that they played in the first two series last year. So this is a little bit of a different animal. Lakers offensively was just bad. They scored 90 points. They shot seven for 26 from three. They're a bad free throw shooting team. They've kind of been a bad free throw shooting team ever since LeBron got there. And they still are 17 for 28 from the foul line. Just look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdown, and they never really got a rhythm. 25 points in the first, 20 points in the second, 23 in the third, 22 in the fourth. So just never really got a rhythm offensively. The Drummond-AD fit is bad. It seems like whenever Drummond is on the floor, AD doesn't really know where to go. He's floating on the outside, and we know that's not his area of strength. But even when Drummond was not on the floor, AD looked a little timid. He didn't seem aggressive. He didn't seem like he was looking for a shot. And it was a night where LeBron wasn't really looking for his shot either. Although I think LeBron played pretty well, made a lot of great passes. Yeah. So I'm not saying LeBron had a bad game, but this was a game that really needed AD to shine. And we thought, especially after the regular season game where AD went bananas and scored 42, that it was kind of going to be a precursor to the series. And it was anything but. AD scores 13 points on 16 shots, minus 18 which is pretty jarring considering that nobody on the team was worse than a minus nine outside of that, which was KCP who also had a horrible night. He had a bad, yeah, yeah. So that's got to change. And from the Suns' perspective, 
they had a really tough time guarding Devin Booker. And I, I saw this as a weakness last year, and I think it's still not a strength. I don't think they have particularly strong defenders at the top of their defense. I think, and the, listen, the Lakers are the number one defense in the league, so I'm not going to say that their weak spot is defense. I think they're a better defensive team than they are an offensive team. But if there is a weak spot, it is guarding those ball handlers up top. And yeah. when you have two of them, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and then you have DeAndre in who's finishing like he did yesterday. I mean, DeAndre in was very active, and I had a lot of concerns about Aiton going to the series. He played great. Listen, he's not going to be a guy you get you give you know twelve post touches to, but the way he ran the floor, his activity off ball, his activity on the glass, he had eight offensive rebounds. DeAndre Aiton was everything that you need from him and more. So it was a pretty holistic game from the Suns. I mean, if you could replicate this every time. You would. Obviously, you're not going to because Devin Booker is not going to do this unless he does, which would just be something else. But I think there's something to make of this. I think the this Lakers have to go to the drawing board, figure out their offense because it was a wreck. Game two, they're favored, which is just ridiculous. That kind of just shows how people are viewing this series. But I thought I thought there were some little takeaways from this game one. That's yeah, how that's I view fair. it. All right. Well, I mean, I think Devin Booker could realistically average 30 in the series. I think the DeAndre Ayton, to your point, is kind of unreliable, 21 and 16. At some point, either AD is going to shore himself up or they're just going to line up all of DeAndre Ayton's minutes with Drummond and make it just, you know, a slog for him. But the series as it is is interesting. Obviously, the Suns stole one, but it's just saying that they stole one at home court when they're the second seed <laughs> is kind of indicative of yeah. how everyone feels about the series. So, yeah, I mean, Lakers are going to take a game to figure it out. I think, again, they just, you know, had the thing like the Clippers where they think they can turn on whatever they want. And when they did in, I think, the third quarter and they broke it or maybe late third quarter, early fourth, they brought it to four or something. And then they kind of took their foot off the gas because like, all right, we're, we're already back in this. Like, we just started trying. And then the Suns, you know, just stayed true to the format and, you know, took away the game. Yeah. That's all I got for it. That's fine. A game. If, if the Suns win game two, then I think we'll have some more serious discourse. Right. But You're right. As of the, now. The, the guard def- defense is tough, and you have to stagger Drummond and AD. Because, I mean, you can't put Drummond out there with Trez. That just that complicates the whole thing. None of those three guys really fit that well together, honestly. So yeah. it's tough. It's tough. You're going to have to figure it out. I mean, I think that if the, if the Lakers do end up pulling this out and start advancing – I think we're going to start seeing either Montrez or Drummond start getting very few minutes. Like I'm talking less than 10. So I would have to think it's, it's Drummond maybe by matchup. Like if it's Gobert, yeah. they probably throw Drummond out there, but I don't know. Trez mm-hmm. is a little bit more in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually thought uh, Trez and Braun played decently well together yeah. yesterday. So, well, are we going, right. are we going to heart? Are we going to heartbreak? <laughs> we're, we're moving on to the starlight game. All right. Well, Hawks, Knicks in the 4-5 at Madison Square Garden, an electric Madison Square Garden. Yes, my you add. Yes, yes, it was fun. It was fun. I'm happy I was in the building. It was it it lived up to the expectations. If only we could have just put the cherry on top. But it's okay. We're going to talk about the game and even though it was a heartbreaker in a game that the Knicks definitely could have won, I'm not going to say they should have won it because I don't think they played that well. They definitely could have won it. We're going to talk about what went wrong, what, what needs to be fixed, because things do need to be fixed. They can't replicate this game again or else bad things are going to happen. Yeah. But I, I think that the mistakes are very fixable. So do you want to start off, Phil? Sure. I mean, I'll keep it sweet, succinct. Obviously, it was a heartbreaker, but the Hawks just kind of had things going at the right time. I told, I don't know if, I don't know if we've discussed this yet so far, but I think this series will go down to the wire basically most games. And the last four to five minutes of what Trey Young does is going to determine what happens in the outcome. Mm. Because we've seen, I mean, he'll go shot crazy and either he's hitting it or he's missing it, but he's still going shot crazy regardless after. Um, I think the Knicks are going to, you know, come back to, or, or, you know, go from down back to up into the medium. And Julian, Julius Randle won't be as bad as he was. And everyone else will start to contribute a little more. And it really depends on how much Trey goes kind of bonkers in the series. But other than that, the Knicks will bounce back. Julius Randle won't be just scoring 15 on, what was it, like four for 22? Six for 23. Six for 23. But yeah, so 
obviously we got great contributions from Derek Rose and Burks. RJ kind of had a little down game. Quickly was surprising. Obi was surprising. Tom Thibodeau is a little questionable. I don't get mm-hmm. why the last play of the second or the first half and last play of the game, he put Frank in the guard tray and it, it wasn't really a good idea, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. We'll, even though I don't think it's the huge point because he only he yeah, no, played no, a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. I, I do. That's what I'm going to say on that. So the thing is this though. Okay. Either. So there's one, there's one of two things here. <laughs> Either you think Frank is that good of a defender where he can shut down the opposing player's best player who give us nightmares all game, Trey Young. And I talk about how guards who don't turn the ball over, it's usually indicative of them having their way. Trey Young, 32 points, 10 assists, two turnovers. Okay. He had his way. He did what he wanted. He didn't look bothered. If you think Frank Nielakina is capable of shutting this guy down, he should play more. Okay. Yeah. If you do not, and you think he's only capable of giving you two possessions a game, he should not play at all. Especially okay? the last what Exactly. Yeah, seconds. exactly. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it's 100%. one of two ways. Okay. This whole like DH thing when you need 20 seconds of defense, it's just dumb. If you think he's that good at defense, then play the guy and let him try to make an impact on the game. If you don't, then don't play him at all. All right. Because Right. Especially when, when Trey's getting hot, there's no there's no rhyme or reason not to put Frank in and just see if he can add another body, at least be more, you know defensive yeah, on him bo- as opposed to yeah, getting quickly fouls on quickly Burks or Derrick Rose. I mean, Trey was really doing his damage. He only took three threes. He was really doing his damage off of the high screen and he was, he was breaking the foul line and he was making plays. He was hot with his floater. He was spraying it out to shooters. Bogdanovich gave us nightmares all night. So he, he just kind of broke, he got into the teeth of our defense and made the right play. So we got, we have to stop from doing that. I saw a point recently uh, which I thought was interesting. Why are we defending Trey so far out? Like we're because we're defending him, you know, five like, seven yeah. feet past the three point. Giving line. him the Steph Curry privilege, which he does deserve, but we would still extent, prefer those but, shots. Exactly. If he wants to beat us with that, then tip your hat and let him do it. But we're getting caught on screens that far out, and he's getting a runway into the middle of the floor, and that's when shit's just going bad. You know, so. I think that's an interesting adjustment that I would like to see if Tibbs kind of implements that. Um, Lou Will scored 13, I think, almost exclusively in the third. Just out of yeah, nowhere. Lou, Lou Will had a big run. Yeah, yeah. Lou Will had a big run. We, that kept that, him that, close. That brought that him back. Was one, yeah, that was one of the big swings. It was at the third. We seemed to be getting a lot of momentum. Arjun missed a wide-open corner three, and then Lou Will came down and hit a big three. So I think instead of it being a nine-point game, it was a three-point game going to the into the fourth. That was big. Yeah. So – but listen, offensively, there's some things to iron out. Uh, the open paint thing is nonsense. Okay, it's it's just nonsense. The, the guy, we have three capable guards, quickly Burks and Rose, who are all producing. There is no reason for him to be in the rotation. No yeah. reason. Okay, the, the, it's over. It has to stop. <laughs> this is the playoffs. It's done is done. He, he's given us. It's we know you. We know that Tibbs doesn't think he's one of our best guards. Well, if he didn't, then he'd be playing more than eight minutes. Why are we putting a token starter in and just taking him out for no reason? Yeah, especially when it just throws the rhythm off with the team and you're basically just giving Trey Young an easy eight minutes and just go for the first, or I guess the first start of each half. Yeah, and not to say that Burke or Rose or Quickly are shutting down Trey Young because nobody shut down Trey Young. As I said yeah. before, he had his way, but Payne's. He's not offering nice anything team. better than any of the other guys. So why not are you at play all. him? Not at all. So that needs to stop. Will it stop? Probably not. We also just got to hit some open threes. Um, you know, that's kind of been our MO the last few months is we make teams pay. Don't shoot a ton, but, you know, we, we capitalize. 10 for 30 and a, a lot of open looks were missed. RJ was one for six. Probably four of those, five of those were wide open looks he didn't capitalize on. Bullock had a ton of wide open looks over five from three. So that's going to have to change. I think it will change. Got to pay respect to Tibbs. They were down five early in the first, and he just started throwing out different lineups. It was mm-hmm. just almost right. uncharacteristically different. Yeah, he did. I, I do. I, I appreciate that. Um, we're just going to have to come up with a little bit of a different game plan, I think, especially defensively. Yeah. And then offensively, was Randall's got to be better. They're loading up to him heavy. Like, I was, I was watching the game, and the person next to me, every time Randall got the ball, he was saying they're in a zone. I was like, they're not. They're not a zone. They're just <laughs> every time Randall gets the ball, they're loading up. So it yeah. looks it it looks funny, but it's not a zone. And 
that's what they're doing. And Randall's so he's seeing bodies and he's not able to kind of, you know, back down and take his time, but he's still getting to his spots and he took some tough shots, but he's made tough shots all season and he didn't hit any of them. So hopefully that changes next game. I think that a lot of what we saw yesterday is fixable. I still think that we can win this series. I still think we will win this series, but game two is huge. Yeah, I think I still have the Knicks taking it away. I always thought it was going to be a close one. And yeah, hopefully we can find a way to kind of stunt Trey Young. And I don't know. It's it's interesting. I don't think Julius Randle will be as play as poorly as he did. So mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be a lot better. All right. Six and seven. I mean, yeah, I, I probably had it six or seven. Um, the Hawks played to probably their maximum potential. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone was firing on most of their cylinders. You got you got stuff out of Lou Will. Gallinari Mac- probably could score a little bit more. Yeah, Gallinari was was a brick, but yeah, but Bogdan, <laughs> but yeah, they got, they got Clint Capella, minutes. everyone was Colin, effective. Collins gave him decent minutes as well. Yeah, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long series. It's gonna be a good series. I think these teams are both pretty evenly matched. So yeah, I mean, Sixers are probably just hanging out. They're excited for whatever <laughs> they whoever they face next round. One thing I did think was interesting is the. I mean, I I forget. We probably talked about this when they always play in the Hawks. Um, they oh, the Hawks just have a very perfect lineup for how we don't play or how we do play to defend mm. because they just have two or three, uh, probably I think three ish, big you know just big bouncy men with Clint Capella, John Collins, and Onyeka, um, and they can just you know absorb us in the paint because we love to drive and just either kick mm. out or try to get a foul call, and they just go straight up. And we saw a lot of that. Yesterday. A lot of that. You're right. A lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, it was pretty, not a lot of foul calls and yeah. I didn't hate it. I, no, I like it. I mean, yeah. So last game of the weekend, Grizzlies Memphis jazz. jazz. So you had an interesting stat on the jazz. The jazz just took so many threes. I mean, I know, I know this is their style, but 81 field goals, 47 of them were three pointers and they made 12 three pointers. So, they're not going to shoot 12 for 47 every game. They're definitely going to shoot better than that. But that was just a baffling number for me to see. Yeah. I, was, I mean, Jesus. So, Diamond Mitchell doesn't play. And I think that number is probably a little different if he does it, if he does play because he's really the one of the only guys that can kind of kill you from all three levels on this team. Most, most of their perimeter players are either three-point shooters or – uh, I mean, Conley's got the little floater game. And Bogdanovich had a, a really nice game as well. The second half was unbelievable. The other Bogdanovich. The other, yeah. Wait, wait, who was who, Phil? Um, yeah, so I always, I always think it's Bogdan's on the uh, Hawks and Bojan's on the Jazz. But I've learned since learned that I just need to keep that theology and flip it you as opposed to Phil. learning the actual names. That so is the Bojan is on the Hawks. No. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> you had it right the first. No, God. Oh. Okay. Maybe that's my okay. problem. I always think it's that and flip it, but it is that. Just, it's just, just that. Think, just think when you want to flip it, you don't flip it. Or I just flip it again after I flipped it. Yeah, you could do double flip. Just no double way. up. Yeah. Well, It'll, I'll never get it. One eight matchup, but with Mitchell, it just felt a little. With Mitchell out, just felt a little different. Uh, but and we also have no meet... timetable on Mitchell. They yeah, keep I saying mean, he's practicing. Like he just started training, I think, or practicing again Thursday. And they were... yeah, Sunday's the reports game. were the reports were weird about that. It, it came out that he declared he was playing, and then team officials told him he's not playing. So, and apparently he was not happy. So that was kind of weird. But nonetheless, this is who played and. Only huge takeaway for me was that Memphis just really roughed Utah up defensively. And although they did give up a lot of threes, they didn't give up a whole lot else. And the Jazz didn't hit their threes. So that was yeah. kind of the game. I think <laughs> Dylan game, Brooks yeah. probably isn't going to be that good again. But John Morant's Nonsense. really leveling up right now. You're not a Dylan Brooks stan? I like Dylan Brooks. Listen, dude, I was saying yesterday we need a guy like Dylan Brooks right now and Trey Young. <laughs> That's, we That's need somebody. We need somebody to rough him up because it was too easy. But not to go back to that. But no, I I like Dylan Brooks and he's really playing well. Especially, I mean, he played great against Stephen Curry. He's 
playing. He played awesome last night. I don't think he's going to shoot like that again, but I love what he gives the team. All right. So you're the Jazz coach. Who do you expect more out of? Yeah. Who do you expect more out of going into the next game? Well, Clarkson can't shoot that way. That's kind of the short answer. And yeah. I thought I thought his shot selection was kind of crappy. He he was he was he was hunting it and he wasn't finding it. And 16 shots, 0 for 8 from three. And I think some of those drives were pretty poor. He made one play in transition that was just terrible. We took on like three guys and just chucked it up the rim. Yeah. So that's probably the short answer is you need more production out of Clarkson because yeah. especially when Mitchell gets back and you if you want to – if you move on, I mean this series is far from over, but if you move on, you're going to play those top of the top teams. You're going to need more half-court production and Clarkson is going to be one of the guys you look for. So yeah. that's I, the short answer. Hopefully Mitchell comes back and – I forget, what, what kind of – was it the kind of ankle sprain LeBron had? I don't even know. I guess. And, yeah, it was some kind of ankle sprain like that. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back when he does come back. Because I'm sure he'll be – the Jazz will be alive when he does come back. But how is he going to look in those first few games, few weeks? And are they going to be able to afford that kind of first few games, first few weeks mentality? Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see. So, yeah. That's all did I got have, on did, the, did you have yeah. a pick before this? I went oh, yeah, Jazz. Oh, yeah, Jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazz in five, I said. I probably had Jazz, yeah, somewhere around there. Jazz five six, nothing crazy. A little insurance, okay. nothing crazy. All right, well, so tonight we got Bucks Heat. I think we're and then I'm Denver. Gonna take, I'm going to take the Bucks. You're going to take the Heat. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my Heatles. And we're both going to take Denver. Yeah. Okay. I, it'd be interesting to see what happens if the Blazers just bop out again. Yeah, it would be interesting. All right, Phil. That'll be that for that. That was a As thick always, one. Yeah, nice and thick, nice and girthy. Uh, if you enjoy, it's just the way we like it. Listen to it on all, con- on all platforms: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor app. Catch us on Twitter at HoopScoopPod. Watch us on YouTube, HoopScoop. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.